This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 31 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, Barn Building with Blackburn Architects. We would like to thank our sponsor, Equestrian Collections, for being part of the show. You can find them at equestriancollections.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn the Geek And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show Hey Helena Hello Glenn, how are you? Okay, it's good to talk to you again this week Yes, it's my favorite day of the week. Is it? Yeah. Not because of me. Absolutely. Oh, well, that's nice to know. My wife doesn't even say that. <laughs> I'll have a little talk with her. Okay, you, you do that. <laughs> See, I have to be careful what I say about you because you're like best friends with my wife. So that's, uh-huh. that's uh, it's never good. Uh, <laughs> you can say what you want about me. It's okay. I can take it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I found the coolest thing this week. Before we get on to what we're going to talk about in the show this week, I found the coolest thing I have to tell you about. Okay. I want you to go to horselinkmagazine.com. Horselinkmagazine.com. Yep. Going. So you okay. go to horselinkmagazine.com, and all our listeners should do this too. And you click on the click here. See the big click here red button there? Mm-hmm. Click on that. Okay. And it takes you over to... Horse Link Magazine. It's an online magazine put out by MyHorse.com, and it's, it's new. It's the first episode. It is the coolest thing. I'll tell you what. I have never seen anything quite as cool as this. We've all seen the magazines where you can flip the pages online. Yep. But this one goes beyond that. The, first of all, the graphics make it look like a very professional, very neat magazine. Yeah. But the coolest thing is it embeds videos like I've never seen them embedded before. The whole thing is just seamless. This is the future of newspapers and magazines. We know they're all going out of business. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Not well, going out of business, just changing their medium. changing their style. A lot. Some of them are going out of business in newspapers yeah. and things, but, but they're, they're having to change because the paper's too expensive and, you know, it's not good for the environment either. Right. So, and everybody's doing everything else online anyway, so you might as well read your magazines online. But people want the experience of being able to flip the pages. That's part of what makes a mag- looking at a magazine so cool, yeah. is being able to flip the pages and see it in magazine format rather than surfing the internet like we all have to do. Right, Finding- and clear, clear graphics, too. That's one of the things I like about having a magazine or a catalog right in front of me is I can hold it closer to my face to see the picture. Well, clearer, you know, I have, you, I have built-in Zoom feature. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> what do you think arms. of the graphics on this is ju- are incredible. Yeah, that makes a big difference. It is just incredible. Now, the advantage they have, I'm going to open it up here. Now, there's a little video I want you to hear uh, to, to just a little bit about what the magazine's all about. Uh, we'll play that. Can you hear that? Hi, yep. I'm Natalie, and welcome to the first issue of Horse Link Magazine. 
Inside, you'll find great how-to articles on how to improve your horse riding experience, plus training and health tips from the industry's leading experts. But that's not all. In Horselink, you can watch informational training and how-to videos with an easy click of the mouse. And Horselink is so easy to use. Turn pages by clicking and dragging the corners, or click one of those colored buttons on the right-hand side to read your favorite area of interest. Check out those buttons below and explore how to make Horselink Magazine work best for you. You can even email the magazine to a friend. We hope you enjoy your first issue of Horselink Magazine, a new breed of magazine for the dedicated horse owner. What do you think? Matt? Isn't this cool? Very nice. And when you flip the pages, the videos are just, and they, they even do videos. You know what they did that I think is amazing? They put videos in the advertisements that really make you want to watch the advertisements. I mean, it, they, they really have thought this out. And, and, of course, I think that, you know, their geeks are pretty good because the graphics and everything just integrates so well. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's cool stuff. I encourage everybody to go check out. And we're not being paid. They're not a sponsor. Yep. Uh, but I just found it and thought it was cool, and our job is to pass on cool horse things. And we're geeks, so we That's like right. when some <laughs> right. between the graphics and the multimedia integration, this really is cool stuff. I, now I'd be interested to see how how well it how clear it comes up on, um, you know, uh, I don't know what they're calling them these days, but personal computing devices like iPods and um, iPhones and you know mobile computing. I don't know if you'll be even able to use it on there um, because of the way it's laid out. I don't know. I, I don't know. You It'd don't, be cool if you could. You know the other thing. I don't know if you noticed on the left hand side of the page they have a they have tabs called saved clippings, search results, and contents. No? If you click on search results, you can actually search the magazine and it saves your search results over there. You can also click on contents and it shows you every little page of the magazine. So you can click right to that page and oh. saved clippings. You can click on the clipping and save it in your save list. So you can come back to it later. Uh, now, you know what? There was a lot of thought put into this. Yes. I bet there were a lot of behind the scenes meetings before this thing ever even took off. Well, we're going to try and get them on the, on the show. I tried to get them on for today, but the, uh, the gentleman we needed to talk to was traveling so okay. in the next couple of weeks, we're going to try and have them on the show just to talk a little bit about that. I just think it's one of – it is the future of what you're going to see in online magazines. They're all going to have to do this. So I, I just hope they all do it as well as they did. Yeah. <laughs> so kudos to my horse for uh, coming up with a really cool thing. Myhorse.com, right? Yep, exactly. Great. And you can find their magazine at horselinkmagazine.com. Well, what's on today's show, Helena, other than talking about really cool gadgets? We have, um, I'm really excited about today's guest and today's topic. It's barn building with one of the premier architects um, in the country. John Blackburn is going to talk to us about building equestrian structures and his particular philosophy and style and um, the things that he thinks are important when you're designing a barn, whether it be something that's fully custom and over the top or very simple for the backyard horse owner. Well, great. And we'll have him on shortly to talk all about barn building. That'll be fun. He has done some of the most beautiful properties I have ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of his work is around here, around Lexington, on some of these tremendous horse farms. He just he's just built some really neat stuff. And, and uh, I don't think he started out that way. So it'll be interesting to hear his story and how he's built it. Yeah. Yep. All right. But before we get to that, we have a couple things to do. One is we have to make the announcement of our first winners of the March Stable Scoop giveaway. 
Yay! Yay! So we've picked the winners of the hats. These are the dry duck embroidered twill caps from KBC Horse Supplies. We thank KBC Horse Supplies for donating them, and you can find out more about KBC at kbchorsesupplies.com. We had three different of these twill hats, and you got to pick which one you want, and we have a winner actually for each one. So the first winner was Tom Stevens, and he's from Branchport, New York. So Tom actually chose the Mustang Gray hat, which uh, is pretty cool. So congratulations, Tom. And then uh, we have Latina. How do you say her last name? It's Reville. 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 Okay. We'll go with Reville. Okay. Latina Reville of Lawrence, South Carolina. And she chose the one my wife got, the Field Horse Yellow. That one's pretty. And you want to do the last one here? Sure. Uh, we have Melinda Myers, and she's from Kennewick, Washington, and she won the Barrel Racer Pink Hat, which is also very pretty. Yeah, so congratulations to all of them, our first winners. We'll be in touch with them shortly to get the addresses and get their hats out to them. Congratulations, guys, and thanks again to KBC Horse Supplies. Well, now we have to take we have to take a look at what we're giving away this month. And remember, if you registered last month, you have to re-register this month. We don't carry those over. So each month you have to go in and sign up. So uh, be sure to do that because we have four great items we're giving away this month. The first is from Equestrian Collections, our new sponsor on the show. And we'll actually be talking to Chris Dugan, who's the founder of Equestrian Collections here shortly. But Equestrian Collections were kind enough to donate a $75 gift certificate for EquestrianCollections.com. You can pick anything you want. And they have tens of thousands of items. Gazillions of items. They have such a great selection of stuff. As a matter of fact, uh, she said that on any given day, they have over $100 million worth of products to choose from. Holy cow. So, yeah, they're a big, big company. So Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips, and we're giving away a $75 gift certificate for them. In addition to that, the second item is from one of our sponsors, EasySignsOnline.com. And they are the leading farm supply company in America, and they have donated three custom stall plates. So three winners will get three personalized stall plates from EasySignsOnline.com. You can use them for your horse's stall, your dog house, for nameplate in your bedroom door, (laughs) you know, that says uh, brothers keep out or whatever you want to put on it. (laughs) No boys allowed. That's right. So they're very nice and they come in a multitude of colors. You get to customize what you want on it and customize your colors. And they're donating three different ones of those. So we'll pick three different winners. So the, and we want to thank EasySignsOnline.com for donating those. So we have the $75 gift certificate and three different customized, personalized uh, stall nameplates. And you can register by going to Stable Scoop. Yeah. Can, <laughs> Do you remember again. the name of our show? <laughs> yeah. StableScoop.com. And on the right-hand <laughs> side, you'll see a link to just click on that. It's free to register. Just sign up, and you'll be in for, for next month's drawing. And this, so this will be this drawing runs through the entire month of April, That's right. and we will announce the winners on May first. Yep, first right. week of May. Yep, first week of May. That's great, and we appreciate everybody that signed up last time, and uh, we encourage you to go register again. You'll you'll want to win that seventy five dollar gift certificate. Okay, let's do this. Let's get Chris Dugan on the phone. I know Chris for many many years, and she was actually on our show before. She yeah. helped us out with the Christmas gifts episode for the English side of things back at uh, in November. And she has now, uh, with Equestrian Collections, signed on to be a primary sponsor of the Stable Scoop radio show. And we just want to give her a welcome. 
Well, hi, Chris, and uh, welcome to the Stable Scoop Show again. You've been on before when we did our Christmas episode back in November, but this time I get to welcome you as a primary sponsor of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. And I wanted to, on behalf of Helene and I, thank you for, for joining the group. Well, um, hi to you both, Glenn and Helena. Uh, it doesn't seem five minutes since um, since Christmas time, and here we are. We were just saying that. In April. <laughs> I'm like, as he said, November. We're, we're and I said, wait a minute, wait, it's April. Oh my God! <laughs> I know this is ridiculous, but um, you know, we, we we're just thrilled to be um, a sponsor for Stable Scoop. Um, we just love the idea of of having on our site too um, and offering a really dynamic um, approach, not just to shopping, but for a one stop place where you know people come and they want to shop and uh, look at what we have, but also would be interested in in hearing a podcast or kind of see, seeing what else there is to offer. Um, by companies like yours, I, I just think you're doing such a splendid job that. Um, um, it, it's, it's exciting, and we want to be a part of that. So um, we're very, very happy to do so. Well, we're glad oh. to have you as a part. <laughs> yeah, I you know, love shopping at Equestrian Collections. I, I really do. It, and I say this, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, because oh. I am something of a shopaholic. But one of the things I like best is that um, not only do you have – so much to offer, but it's easy to find. So if I'm looking for something in particular, right. I'm pretty much guaranteed to find it on equestriancollections.com. It's, I don't have to go comparing prices or searching right. all over different sites. You, I think that's a real benefit of having such a broad selection of things. Um, and then, of right. course, your, your that's, prices that's exactly are so exactly what we do is, is um, I think, that, that really differentiates us um, in the industry is what we've tried to do is bring you bring our shoppers um the the question shopping world if you if you like uh what we don't do is cherry pick through things and make choices for you as a shopper what we try and do is and in fact we do do um is look at the close on actually almost 200 million dollars worth of of goods that are available for sale any given day in our industry bring it all to our shoppers and say hey we we know you can choose. You make your choices, and we'll deliver what um, you want. So you know the the technical side of that is is quite difficult. But the front end of it, where our shoppers shop, yes, we do try and make it as absolutely as easy and as friendly and as um, you know intuitive as we possibly can. Well, and it's have, fun, hopefully. Have, yeah, you do have, and you're, you, I got to. Helena and I are both, uh, well, Helena more than me, are graphic artists also. Helena's a very good one. I just, I hack at it. But uh, <laughs> your graphic artists are great. And your emails, your weekly emails are, are, are very, they're very pretty. They're the prettiest ones I get. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, it's, that's nice to hear. And we do, we have a wonderful graphic um, team here of, um, of, of young people people who are just I think they're some of the best in the industry so um, we're thrilled to have to have them they do understand our industry very well too so I think that shows as well well play so. the show back to them and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say directly to them you guys do a great job you're some of the agreed. best in the industry <laughs> agreed from one graphic person to another love well, it thank you very <laughs> your user interface is also very easy to uh, is, is well done and well thought out 
when you well, guys are going to be doing some things for us, too, along the way. First thing we just announced is the $75 gift certificate, and we thank you for that. I'm sure we'll have lots of entries for that this, this month. And also, you're going to be down the line as we go along. You're going to be bringing lots of exclusive—I exclusive, can't talk today, Helena. I just, no, I know. We're going to have to send you to remedial you podcast. Know, honest <laughs> to goodness, I didn't, have any, I didn't have anything to drink at lunch or anything. It's, I just, it's this way naturally. That's um, <laughs> no help needed. Hey, extra for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have lots of exclusive coupons, offers, yes. and news that that you'll be able to find. Uh, and also, you're going to be carrying the show, so people will be able to listen on your website, which is kind of right. neat. But mm-hmm. this week, we do have a coupon, and it's $10 off an order of $120 or more. So if you're, if you're in the market for anything right now, check out Equestrian Collections first. Their prices are great, and we have this $10 coupon for you that's exclusive here to the Horse Radio Network. And all you'll have to do when you're checking out is put in the coupon code SCOOP1, S-C-O-O-P-1, and you'll get $10 off your order of $120 or more. And they also have something uh, called a coupon and deals ebook. Tell us what that is. Yeah, uh, what we do is um, we put together a, um, a really nice, it's multi-page, probably 12, 15 pages of the best deals that we have on the site. Um, you can click on that and it opens like a flip book so you can go from page to page. Uh, and when you see the deal that you like, you just click on it. You don't have to go and hunt around and find it on the site. Uh, it goes straight there. So you may be making, you know, saving $100 um, on some of the items that we have, for, for example. And you can still apply that coupon on top of it. So um, there's hundreds, literally hundreds of items in that book. Um, and then you can apply your coupon on top of it. So, and it, it's, it's great. We, we also have uh, at this point about 30 e-catalogs where you can look at all your favorite brands, the, the catalogs um, that you probably have never seen before um, because normally the manufacturers don't uh, show their catalogs off or can't get them to you. Uh, now we can show them to you. And again, they're just gorgeous and it's all click to purchase. So uh, a lot of fun. If you like magazines and you like catalogs, you'll like these. Yeah, I like the click to purchase option. So you yeah. can sort of browse and then say, oh, yeah, I want that. I want it now. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're, we're all into that. I want it now. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Chris, uh, you and I, we really started, uh, we really started internet shopping for the horse world way, way back many years ago. Uh, You and I were one of the first ones. I had the horse stuff company and you had 1824 uh, back then, which uh, really took off. We used to send people to you all the time Mm -hmm. because there weren't that that many of us. Uh, No, that was for the plus uh, rider. We started with a little catalog. Um, and then, lo and behold, the Internet kind of started right right after that, and we had one of the first Internet sites in our industry, you're right. Um, when I look back at what we, what we had to do and how we did it then compared with what we do now, it's, um, it's a, like, just a million miles away <laughs> well, different. But... Well, the first thing is we started on a dial-up connection yeah. trying to build websites. <laughs> that was the first right. thing. <laughs> right. right. I, uh, do you still, speaking of, of 1824, Chris, do you still offer yeah. plus-size collections? Yes. In fact, we're still the only company that has a, a whole collection that a lot of it is custom-made for us. Um, uh, so we can outfit the rider on the English side, at least, um, uh, right through uh, you know wide calf boots to breeches to shirts. Um, RJ Classics makes all our jackets for us. Um, 
we have Wellington makes a lot of our shirts. Um, just, I mean, just terrific. Basically, anything that you want now in a plus size um, that you want, we we basically have. I still um, see eighteen twenty four floating around the chat rooms and the forums, yeah. and and um, so it's if you if you were a fan of eighteen twenty four or you hear of that name, check out Equestrian Collections because that's that's who they are now. Yes, and that's one of our one of our main collections. It's still one of our most popular, I have to say. So what about what about um, petite sizes? Do you have? Do any of the manufacturers make uh, riding wear for petites? Uh, just just a few. Um, RJ Classics makes all their jackets and shorts, for example. Um, okay. Taylor Sportsman does do shorts also um, in their britches. Um, th- those are about the only companies that really um, address that market. Um, and I think one of the reasons that there are only just so few is that a lot of the sizing on the show gear is still in European sizes. And so they go down very tiny anyway to a size 2. Uh, and so we spend more time than not saying, hey, what's about the other end of the scale? The American woman tends to be, you know, larger boned, very uh, much taller. Um, and what they do is the European sizes kind of run out um, so that the U.S. sizes is left, at, you know, finishing at size 14, which in this day and age is actually in a fairly smallish size when, uh, in fact, the average size in the United States is a size 14, believe it or not. So what we're trying to encourage our manufacturers to do is to move slowly towards American sizing and also to add those extra sizes on the other end. So we get the 16 and an 18 at least. Um, and then I don't know that many ladies who are a size 2 and 4. We'll keep them, but remember that, that um, yeah. it, we're kind of drifting more or less the other way. So. Yeah, I have a hard time finding. I'm I'm short. I'm not necessarily skinny, but mm-hmm. I'm so it and it's a hard it's hard to find britches that are short enough and still fit the right. rest of my body, you know. And and I think with riding gear, it 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 it's very sensitive, you know. If you have something that's too long or doesn't fit you right, right it can actually make a difference in your riding. So it's really frustrating and hard to find just the right fit. It, it, that's true. I, I think you probably lucked out a little with the low rises because before what you would have had with the regular rises would be, you know, the, the waist on a regular pair of britches would have been underneath your armpit somewhere, which is not very, not, not the look we are all striving for. So um, I think with the, the lower rise um, and some of the more stretchy fabrics, uh, four-way stretch fabrics that um, people have uh, the ability to buy now, I think you'll be easier to fit than maybe five years ago or so, hopefully. Sure. Um, but you still, you can get your tailored sportsmen in the shorts. So. All right, guys, I think we're running out of time here. We have to get over to our interview for the day. But thank you, Chris, for joining us. And again, we welcome you to the show. And I just wanted to mention one other thing, too, that we always got the question for when I was in the tack business. Yes, you do have men's stuff. Oh, gosh, do we ever. We have the largest men's selection bar none. So, yes, we do. And um, we'd love to have you come and shop with us. So Yeah, yes. men always have a tough time finding stuff in this uh, in this English world especially. So yes, check yes. out Equestrian Collections. That's where you can find your men's stuff, breeches, and the whole outfit, actually. So Yes. yes. And, of course, you carry tack. We were talking about clothing here. But <laughs> yes, yeah. we do. Yeah, you know, so. we, we Tack and supplements. But tack, we have, uh, again, I think at this point we have the largest selection of tack in the industry again bar none so um 
uh, yeah, come and see us for that. But we are better known, I have to say, for our apparel since that's where we started. Equestriancollections.com. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Uh, Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, our guest coming up today is John Blackburn. He's the principal and founder of Blackburn Architects with offices in Washington, D.C. and San Francisco, California. Their award-winning portfolio includes hundreds of equestrian facilities as well as commercial, residential, and historic renovation projects throughout the U.S. and Canada. I'm a big fan of John's work, so welcome, John. Hi, Helena. How are you? Glad to be here. Good, 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 good. We are, uh, Glenn and I have been perusing through the Blackburn Architects website and basically drooling over some of the equestrian projects that you've taken on. Can you give us a little bit of a background about uh, Blackburn Architects and uh, how you got started in equestrian structures? Well, how I got started is a long story, but I got started 25 years ago. Uh, and uh, I, I could, you probably don't have a long enough radio show for me to go through how I, it's an interesting way I got started, but it's uh, basically, I'll give you to try the short version. I was, uh, I had a partner at the time. We were interviewed to, uh, we were doing a little garage additions and porch enclosures and whatever we could do to keep our little office open. And uh, someone called about wanting to knew if we knew anybody wanted to design a horse farm and we took a thought about two seconds before we said hey we would so we raised our hand said so we went for an interview and they were interviewing other architects who had probably done real buildings and we've just done little ones and so we uh found out from the owner that they wanted buildings barns that would fit in this is in um, uh, northern virginia and so we went out and photographed existing buildings just every kind of building we could think of and we showed him images and said, if you want buildings that fit into Middleburg, this is what they should look like in terms of shapes and forms and materials. And we were basically hired on the spot. He loved it. We hit the nail on the head. That's fabulous. And then so what was it that you built for him? Well, what we did is we teamed with a landscape architect, Morgan Wheelock, from Boston, who had okay. this theory about placing barns in the landscape using natural light and natural ventilation and vertical ventilation of the barns. We designed these barns to work to that that uh, philosophy. It worked beautifully. You can go in these barns in the in the August, dead of you know no wind, and your hair would start to lift just from the breeze going mm. through the barn. And it's it all the that's the theory. That basically, I describe it as I've been uh, using that, following that, riding that horse for 25 years, and it works. It works beautifully. Actually, hold on to that thought because I'd like to come back to that and, and talk to you about that in more detail because I do see that as a, a, a common element in the design features of the barns in yes. your portfolio. Okay. Um, do you have any horses of your own? No, I don't. I don't have the time. Uh, <laughs> I don't have the money. Uh, I, I rode when I grew up with horses. My, I had a twin sister who rode. And uh, and showed horses. I was more interested in playing in the barn and just getting on a horse uh, like a 12-year-old kid would do, and see how far you could ride before you'd fall off. <laughs> and uh, so just hacking around is. And I even today I would love to go on trail rides, but I have no interest in showing. But uh, I do love uh, design for horses, though. Well, you know, you've come a long way from designing sheds out back. Uh. Well, we still do a few sheds out back. We do all types. <laughs> now, you know, you look at our website, you'll see a lot of beautiful barns. Well, the beautiful ones do tend to photograph better, but we do all types, all budgets. Uh, you, I've said, uh, you know, you need to, um, uh, if, you, if you 
it's, it's hard to say, but you can design. You can design. Good design does not have to cost an arm and a leg. And, and does it so, have to be big? I mean, can you take those those design elements and scale them down to something that? Absolutely, you can okay. do it at a. We've done as small as four stall barns to twenty twenty four stall barns. Generally, don't do barns larger than twenty four stalls. Once the time you get that size, you need to break it into two barns because it becomes unmanageable in terms of service and time just walking back and forth in the barn. So it's uh, generally anywhere from four to 24. That's a good good point. Never thought about that, how long it would take you to walk from one end of a barn to another. There's a lot to take to consider. I've, I've learned over my, myself over 25 years. Um, That's true. I'll tell you what, we're, I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, and you've done a lot of barns down here, I see. Yes, and, yes. But there are some barns down here. I'm thinking even at the horse park, the big barn over there, it takes you five minutes to walk from one end to the other. I mean, <laughs> right. and you think, and the, the thought is, this, not as the cost of the barn. You think about the cost of when you lay out a farm as well as a barn. You think about the, the man hours of operating that barn. I mean, you got a groom walking, you know, down the length, half the length of an aisle. If it's a center aisle uh, barn, a twenty-four stall barn, the services tend to be put in the middle, but so you can cut the walk time for a groom to go from that far stall to the to the service elements of the barn. And if you have you know, 20 and 30 stalls in a row continuing, that's a long walk. And so you're spending a lot of your time just going back and forth. Right. And so, yeah, when you say service elements, are you talking about things like the grain room and... Right, uh, pack, pack room, grain like room, hay and bedding storage, all the various things that tend to... We tend to concentrate those in areas towards, generally towards the center. In, in barns that are 16 stalls and larger, we tend to make them symmetrical. We put those elements in the middle. If you get a... 12-stall barn or smaller, you tend to locate them to one end because you don't need, you don't want to split it up too much right. at that point. So what? So let's go back now to these the um, open and airy feelings that we were talking about because, mm-hmm. as I said, you, your designs do have that particular feature in common. <clears throat> Tell us about that. What what benefit is it to the barn? Um, how does planning come into play? Because obviously, um, keeping good, healthy airflow through a barn is like the holy grail of barn That's building. Right. So well, how let me, do you let me just say, that? let me describe it this way: a horse is meant to live in the wild, and as soon as you bring a horse into a paddock, and even more so into a barn, you're asking for trouble. The barn, the horse really should live in nature. So, if you're designing a barn, you need to design that barn to work as closely with nature as possible. In other words, a horse shouldn't be brought into an air-conditioned barn. It really shouldn't be brought into a heated barn. The barn temperature really should be as close to what it finds in the paddock. If a horse wants to get out of the sun and it's in the wild, what does it do? It runs under the shade of a tree or behind something. If it wants to get out of the wind, it runs behind a hill. So when you put it in a barn, it loses that control. And so what the barn now has to do, you're sort of basically in design of the barn playing God. You're now controlling the weather on that horse. And so if the horse needs to have ventilation, which it always does because the horse gives off a tremendous amount of humidity and bacteria and so and and it needs to be the barn needs to be ventilated the best way to ventilate a barn is vertically because if you have a horse on one side who has a an infection it's going to transfer a bacterial infection it's going to transfer that potentially to another horse either across the aisle from a fan blowing through the through the barn or if um, or right next to it so what we try to do is introduce air in low and air out high at the ridge. We never put a loft in a barn unless the owner requests it. The reason, because you want that vertical lift. Now, the way you, how do you create wind when there is no wind? 
most people say, well, put a fan. Well, how can you do this without adding fans? Fans add cost, add capital costs, maintenance mm-hmm. costs. It's a risk, and it's, it, it, uh, it can transfer disease from one horse to another. So if you can ventilate the barn vertically, uh, naturally, then you have solved a lot of problems at one time. And so what we do is we will introduce air in the wall low, generally through Dutch doors or even vents if they don't have Dutch doors, certainly windows along the eave, but at the no loft, and then at the top, we generally put a skylight down the ridge. And that does two things for you. One, it heats up. And even in August in South Texas, you want that thing to heat up. And why is because it creates a temperature difference between the ridge and the floor. And just like a chimney in your house, the heat rises. And right. because of the heat on the roof at a certain angle, you tend to try to make a roof 7 and 12 or steeper. Yeah, uh, heat on, through the roof, heat from the horse, and the heat difference between the skylight and the bottom creates wind. So now, you're, creating wind, a temp- you're creating a temperature gradient just with vents? Just with vents, and the use of, the bi- the use of building up heat at certain areas of the barn creates ventilation through the barn. That's okay. interesting. It's vertical ventilation. Now, you also, the other critical things is placing the barn in a perpendicular to the prevailing summer breeze. So as the wind blows across the fields, against the barn, and over the barn, it works somewhat like an airplane wing. It creates lift. And so you're capturing the wind, and then you're using it in the barn and designing the barn to facilitate wind. I got to tell you, now, that's that's very interesting because I never thought about that. That's the same as as that's the same way wind works outside the barn. Is right. the the difference between the hot and cold air creates storms? Right. Even you know, uh, right? As the wind blows across the across the roof, it creates a low pressure area on the on the backside, and that pulls air through the barn. Right. It's the Bernoulli effect, basically. It's, that's, a, that's the word, the scientific word it's given to, I guess, to the inventor or the, who discovered it. But we just applied it to Barnes from the uh, suggestion of Morgan Wheelock 25 years ago, and it works beautifully. <laughs> and the second point about the skylight is now you have all natural light in your barn. You, in our barns where we have no lofts and skylights, you, you light the barn all day long without any electric lights. So do you, re- okay. do you recommend having the hay in a different barn then or a different building? I recommend, I recommend uh, what I generally do is I put bulk storage elsewhere. Then I usually provide weekly storage in the barn, either in a stall area down towards one end or in a, behind a, if it's a fairly large storage, certainly behind a fire separation like a masonry wall or something like that. Not necessarily a rated wall that would be by code, but certainly a separation so that you could basically – uh, stop the fire and def- defer or deflect any uh, smoke getting into the barn so you have time to get the horses out. For example, as if you had hay, stacked hay that was could spontaneously combust. That's right. If, it's, if, if hay is stored in an area it's giving off, uh, I guess, uh, as it cures, it gives off, uh, uh, maybe it's a methane gas, I don't know, but whatever, it, it can build up. And it can uh, it can it can create an explosion, but that with the dust particles that it, that can accumulate in an enclosed environment. So we always vent uh, the barn store, I mean, the hay the hay storage area where we can. And so, but that kind of thing, that kind of risk can happen whether the hay is stored in a loft or right. in in a segregated section of the barn. The way you're talking, it's the risk That's is true. the same. But, but so you're saying it's behind a wall that that at least gives you time to. Uh, to separate the fire from the animals. 
That's right. Now, the other thought is, even in a hayloft, if we had a, and we've done this, we have barns and someone wants to have hayloft, well, we put, introduce as much natural light into that hayloft as possible, because one of the problems with hayloft is you have a light. Somebody goes upstairs to turn on the loft light, and a, either cobwebs are built up around it, or a bird's nest is built on it, you get a spark, you get a fire, and you have your problem. But if you can, and most of the time you're servicing the loft during the day, if you have natural light coming into that loft, then what have you saved? You save having to turn on that light or leave it on. And even if a cobweb or what is built around it, uh, your dependence on it and your, fact, the, your tendency to leave it on during the day and someone goes downstairs to feed the horses or whatever, then uh, it's less likely to have a fire. There's so many things that you can do. And our, our whole premise of designing barns has been focused on the health and safety of the horse. So everything, hopefully did good architecture at the same time, but everything <laughs> is driven by concern for the health and safety of the horse, whether it's light and ventilation, whether the details of the barn, how it's designed, the stalls, the details of the layout of the farm, whether your roads and type materials you use and all those sort of things. All that is critical, and it's all governed by concern for the health and safety of the horse. John, what, Once what, are, again, what are the biggest mistakes people make when they build barns? Well, I'd say, and architecturally, I can say one of the first things I see is people say, well, let's add cupolas and dormers to the building. Well, they're, they're nice, and historically, they add a few, you know, they add architectural elements, but they don't do much for you for light or ventilation. Right. So, uh, in fact, I've done, it, I've done barns where I've added cupolas and dormers, but also it's skylights because, hey, they get their architectural elements, but I've got to have my light in there. And, and, uh, but those are the, sort of the big mistakes that some people make. And then I think the other is, um, well, I think it's just they think they, they, they have maybe lighter ventilation and they've covered the gamut of what they need to do. There's so many things that, that I'm discovering things, uh, you know, every day of what, how we can do something differently or how we can do something better or how something that I go to other barns all the time. I love to go tour the barns because I'm always sort of, oh, that's a mistake and that's something we can do better. Or whatever. There's just so many ways and so many things that you can do to make a healthier and safe environment for a horse because the horses, basically, I've always said, are sort of really working for the vet. They'll find a way to injure themselves every time. You get, have a chance and they'll do it. Helena knows that. <laughs> That's a whole other show, Glenn. I think that might be good for next week's topic. <laughs> hey, do you, what do you use for your aisleways? Do you use, uh, uh, what do you try and use for that? What do you recommend? Uh, a variety of materials. Uh, there, uh, well, I think the best flooring is the interlocking rubber brick. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's the most expensive, but it's the best because it's, uh, it, it looks great. It's soft. Uh, but we do a variety of things. We'll do, um, we will call popcorn asphalt, which is an asphalt, asphalt made without a lot of the little fines. So water drains through it and it doesn't create black ice in really cold environments. And it, it can reheal itself if it heaves during freezing in the winter. Uh, some people don't like it because it does it is sort of porous and therefore it does collect dust and dirt and that sort of thing. But you can hose it down very easily and it drains. I would say in a in a dusty environment where you don't have a lot of water, you may not want to consider that. So there's different materials, as they say, different strokes for different folks. They have different ways they want to do it. I've also described it as you you get a hundred barn managers in a room, and you'll get 101 with different ways how to do it. There's See, no Glenn, one set way. A man Excuse right me? after my heart. I say that all the time. 
yeah. all the time. Only I say, you know, you ask 10 questions and you get 10 different answers. But 100 is probably more like it. Right. So, so now I've seen these – I've seen the, the, the uh, rubber pavers – and one of the things that I noticed is that the um, shavings tend to tend to stick to it. If you take a, a blower, um, do they, does that kind of clean it up pretty well? And this is aside from hosing well, it down. A, let me just say you should never use a blower around the barn unless right. you got all your horses out of the barn. Right. Because that's just going to stir up wind, stir up dust, I mean, and it's just bad for the horses. Certainly in a horse with you know, a sensitive respiratory system, and all horses tend to have that, you just should never use blowers around barns. That's a it's good point. Wash it down is the best way to do it. Okay. So when you're doing when you're mucking stalls in, in one of these beautifully ventilated barns and you've mm -hmm. got some dusty shavings, one of the things I notice when I muck is that it, the um, dust just seems to rise and poof and not really know where to go unless a door is open or I'm creating some kind of draft. What happens in these barns that are naturally ventilated when you're mucking stalls? What, where does all that dust go? Well, I don't think you're getting one. You're down near the floor, so you're not getting as quite, quite, you know, breeze across. You're not getting the kind of breeze that that a fan would create. In fact, we do put fans in a lot of our barns for that, uh, but we put them high on the wall just so they can do a sort of a, a horse gives the option of standing in front of it or standing out of it. But uh, it's it's not. A, I did one. I designed barns, and I have them built, but I don't work them every day, so I don't know. But I am talking with previous owners or current owners. I've never had a problem with it. Being, complaining that dust builds up in the air because of it. I think that has to do a lot with the different types of bedding that people use. I have complaints of one one owner will complain about a certain type of bedding where another will not. So um, I think that's a matter of preference. But um, have I answered your question? Yes, yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm a fan of shredded paper myself, but um, because oh, I, I just, the, the dust is really tough to deal with sometimes. And it depends, too, on your shavings provider. Some shavings seem to be less dusty than others. But, um, right. We you know, used shredded paper for years, but our neighbors hated it. Because why? Because we'd spread it in the fields, and then it would blow all over the place and get in their yards. And it didn't work and that's, that uh, <laughs> And that's Some a problem reason, in the winter when you have a frozen, you know, frozen ground or a snow on the ground you can't really spread it or it's, it get, does get to be unsightly and blow around so yeah somebody told me though that that the the papers tends to break down or compost faster than shavings i don't do either of you guys know if that's true or not i don't know it seemed to be white oh, it, it, it makes sense <laughs> <laughs> it does make, it sense, make sense right it would i think what happens though is the paper's just sort of unsightly where the shavings sort of blends in uh yeah so i think that's where the big now you have something called adaptive reuse Right. What's that? That's adapting an old building to a new use. Now, that's whether it's generally it's taking an old barn and adapting it to a house or what we call party barns because people have, uh, you know, guest houses and different things. We've done a number of those. Or we're adapting a dairy barn to a, a horse barn. I was just going to say, because we, have, we always had, uh, we've had a couple farms, and we always had the bank barn that was there when we went in, and they are not the best for air movement or anything. Right. You know, You're right. They're not. They're probably and neither, not the best for horse barns. And dairy barns are difficult, too, because they usually have a low head height because obviously these cows are, you know, they don't rear up quite as high as a, as a horse does. And so their their headroom is is often in the ground floor too too uh, too low. Yeah. So it's difficult. Um, but it's uh, I love saving old barns. I, nothing bothers me more than to see a nice old barn in the countryside as you're driving down the road collapsing because of just people, the uses. Going off and left it, and it's just dying, and it's just it's sad. 
and I love to see uh, restore old barns and, and yet preserve them as barns and look at where they look like barns. Even when I take one and I make it into a house or a guest house or a little retreat, I make it, I try to retain its, its agricultural look as much as possible. So yeah. that's why I, I, I love saving old buildings. The um, you've got one in Warm Springs, Virginia, up on your website. I think you call it the Granary, which is right. stunning. It's just it's such a beautiful mix of old and new. It doesn't even feel new. It it looks. In fact, everything in that building is recycled from that barn and the one that's adjoining to it. And the only paint in that barn is on the roof and on the front door. Everything else is all natural. It's beautiful. Oh, so what do you suggest if uh, someone like me has a dream and wants someone like you to build a barn for her? What, what do I do? What do I get, how do well, I get started? What, what, what people typically do is they, they find us through our website. They contact us. They, they, say, um, they tell me basically what they want to do. I would uh, contact them back. I would say, hell no, uh, what the, here's what I'll describe to you on the phone what we do. And then if you have a, a site that's unplanned and you want, want us to master plan the entire site, I would come visit you, look at the site, and then I would give you a proposal to do all the layout of the farm, the paddocks, the roads, where everything goes, even your own house if you if it's raw land. Um, or if you have an existing farm and you want to either recondition it in some way, or you'd say, I just need a barn over here. I'll come look at it and I'll say, that's great. We can design a barn for there. But, you know, this is not quite maybe the best way. Maybe you want to look over here because it's a little higher ground or whatever, this or that. And so we will then give you a proposal either to master plan or uh, design the barn. And then we uh, work with you like typically an architect would work with any, anyone around the country uh, designing the facility, taking you through getting a contractor and working with you to get it built. Or we'll take a back seat if necessarily and sort of step back and say, uh, well, we know this builder. We've got a good builder here. And then we've got, uh, we don't need to be that involved. We'll be sort of peripherally involved, if we can keep the thing moving along and following the drawings built properly, then we'll, we will pull back and not, uh, you know, I don't want to add to your cost. I'd rather see you put the money where you can into the building, but uh, we also want to see the building built properly and correctly. So that's sort of what we do. It's a, we start usually with a ma- site visit, master plan, concept design package, and then we go from there with the standard architectural drawings. Now, we're licensed in most states that we work. I'm licensed in 30 states. But, you know, if you say, for example, I'm not licensed in Maine. If somebody wanted me to do a barn in Maine, I would either do it under, I would either get licensed or I would do it under our other building uh, business name, which is Blackburn Equestrian Design. And because most agricultural buildings in most states, you're not required to be an architect to design them. Uh, but I like to, uh, I mean, that's what I'm trained to do. And quite often I just get licensed when it gets to the point of we're providing architectural services. But it's a variety of ways, but that's how we typically work. That's good. It doesn't sound very intimidating. I know sometimes the process can feel intimidating, but that sounds uh, pretty straightforward. I like you, the fact that you're flexible and you'll do as much or as little as, as the customer wants. So that's right. pretty in fact, nice. We even, we even go into site selections if people say, well, I, I have two or three sites. I'm not sure I want to, which is best for the horses or which is best to raise horses. So we'll go meet with them and look at two or three sites and help them evaluate and do sort of a due diligence on the, on the various sites. And so we can anywhere from the very beginning to, it's, you know, walk out the door and put your horses in the stalls and we're, it's done. 
Well, I want like to say to, say to everybody that they can find you at blackburnarch.com for Blackburn Architects. I just have one more question. Has the What's the economy, how, how has it affected you at this point? Well, it's like like all architects in the building business. It's uh, we've it's been affected us. We've uh, had a cutback in our our business quite a bit. Uh, we haven't had to cut staff too much. We we've lost one staff out of twelve over the last. Well, one we had to let go, but we did lose. We have a, a woman who an architect worked with us who had a child, and she decided not to come back. So we've reduced our staff some, but we we've it's affected everybody, and certainly in the building industry. Uh, but uh, we're we're staying moderately busy. It's not as much fun when it's not as busy, but but we yeah, but we have we're we're very well known for what we do, and we we try to provide a service that's of value to uh, to to the owner, and hopefully we do, and they will keep calling. Well, you do great work. I know I pass several of your barns down here just driving around all the time. Well, uh, good. So, so I appreciate we, that. You know, you do, it is, it, they are very pretty. And, and, of course, you know, obviously the landscape has a lot to do with it. And I think that when you come to Lexington, you realize how, how much having that complete site design is important. Because yes. the landscape, when you drive around around here, you realize how much the landscape around the barn is as important as the barn itself. Right, right. And, yeah. you know, horse people are such traditionalists, it's hard to break out of that old school mold mold where a barn is supposed to look and work like this and and it's really working against your horses and i think what john is doing is is so much better but you're not you you don't have to lose your traditional flavor no i think if you look at our designs you see that they're all they're all over all over the place and so just a barn in other words a barn in, in lexington kentucky has a certain context it needs to sort of, it has the sort of the cupolas and the dormers and those sort of things, and we do that. But then you build that barn in Southern California, and it's going to stick out like a sore thumb, and so it has a different look. So what we try to do, and with our, hopefully my architectural training and my knowledge of, of horses, is that we we design for the caring concern of the horse, but yet we develop some architecture that fits in to the context in which it's built and responds to the, the natural environment, and that's what we try to do. All right, John. Well, we thank you for being on the show with us today. It was great to uh, talk about barns. And, uh, I mean, I encourage everybody to go over to blackburnarch.com uh, and just take a look at the pictures and dream a little. It, it's it's a lot of fun, and, and you've done some great work. And as I said, we appreciate you being on and talking about what you do. And we'll post okay. links to the website on uh, stablescoop.com, so you'll be able to uh, to link over there. Well, that was great. He has a, I got. I have to tell everybody, stop over to his website and just drool. Yeah. Take a look. Go to Equine and take a look at some of the barns he's put up. He, he does build the dream barns. <laughs> but you know what, too, is um, don't let it intimidate you because I, and I was surprised to hear that, that um, they'll do work for any, just about any budget. So it doesn't have to be a big, right. beautiful, drooly thing. If you want building shacks. I mean, yeah, garages, <laughs> yeah. garages. Which and... <laughs> come a long yeah. way since a shed in the backyard, though. I'd love to take one of those, like those little, um, oh, that one in Montana, and just take a smaller version of it and put it in my backyard. There you go. <laughs> you can put your pony in there. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, we want to also mention, don't forget, Equestrian Life. That's our official community that we have here in the Horse Radio Network. Stop over at equestrianlife.com, and you can click on the Horse Radio link in the upper right-hand corner. You'll see all of our shows there. And also, that's the place where you can talk about our shows and have conversations and comment. And there's a little forum built into each episode. So if you want to talk about barns or anything else from this episode, you can stop over to Equestrian Life, click on the Horse Radio link, and start chatting away. Uh, We appreciate Equestrian Life and everything that they're doing. It is really the Facebook for horse people. So if you want a Facebook that truly caters to the horse person, that one's it. Check it out. And as you know, Helena, we have a couple other shows on the network, and one of them is the 2010 radio show. And this week we had the First Lady of Kentucky, Jane Bashir, was on with us. She is on the World Equestrian Games board, and she also is a horsewoman in her own right. She's an eventer, still competes, by the way, <laughs> uh, as the First Lady. As a matter of fact, when I talked to her, she was at the barn uh, at the time I was talking to her. So, Where uh, else can you find? I mean, I where else? that's the place to be. <laughs> It is. I was just saying. I was talking to about. I was talking with her about this. That it is perfect in the history of Kentucky. That at this time in the Kentucky's history, when we're getting the 2010 World Equestrian Games, that we have a true horsewoman as the first lady. <laughs> and the governor. Is that the first time? Is that the first time? I I don't know, but I mean it's just appropriate because she is truly a horsewoman. Mm. She, she hunts, by the way, and by the way, the governor hunts. Uh, All right. Yeah, he was out hunting last weekend. All right. I like them already. Yeah, so they both hunt, and then she also events. And she does lower levels up to, I think she said, like uh, advanced or training level. I don't remember which, but but Jane's a good lady, and she actually stops at uh, shops at my wife's store, too. So, okay. Okay. So check that out. You want to hear what she had to say? She's a very interesting, lovely lady. All right. And the eventing radio show this week, we did something that we've never tried before. We had a rider's roundtable, and we actually had four – we were joking about this. We actually had four four-star riders. So ah. we had four riders on the show, and they're all, they have all done four-star events. So we've had Gina Miles, who, of course, is the silver medalist from the Olympics – Right, and she was on this show earlier on. Yes, she was on our show. Gina's been one of our most most prolific guests, actually. We've had, yes. her, on, we've had her on a lot of the shows. She's also Thank been you, on, Gina. Yeah, she's also been on the 2010 show. So Gina's been around. Um, so Gina was on. Allison Springer, who is a well-known eventer, who also has been on this show. I think Allison was on this show, wasn't she? No, she was on a uh, venting radio show. Um, but Alice has been on one of the shows. Will Faudry was on, who is a heartthrob of all the teens that are follow eventing. And Howie Bennett, who is from uh, Canada. So the four of them were on, and it was a roundtable discussion. We had actually all the questions were submitted by listeners. And we just let them... Oh, there goes my cell phone. I forgot to turn it off again, Helena. <laughs> I'm telling you, remedial podcasting, you are on your way, buddy. <laughs> you are going. Pack oh, your bags. One of, these, one of these days I'll remember <laughs> to do it right. Um, so we're almost at 80 episodes between all of the shows, and I'm still not getting it right. <laughs> so it was a great show. It was very interesting because we would ask the question and let them go. And they were very good at b- bouncing ideas because some of them, one of the questions was, what would you change in eventing in the United States? 
And there were some really cool questions like that. And then we just let them go. And Will threw in a couple things. And then they agreed and disagreed. And it was just a neat, neat format that I think we're going to try on our show, too, uh, with different different groups of guests. Uh, it really did work. I was impressed. Uh, how did it work? Because I, I haven't had a chance to listen to the show yet. How was it technically? Did It worked did it great. Work it Good? worked great. It was no problem. They all could hear each other very well because it was the first time we really, with our technology, tried to get six people. There were Chris and I and four of them. Oh my gosh. So, Kudos to you. That would have Yeah, put no, it worked around. really well, and, and I was impressed. So stop over to eventingradio.com to listen to that. It's well worth a listen. And, of course, here on Stable Scoop, we'll have a great topic for you again next week. And don't forget that the show notes for today's show can be found at stablescoop.com. Right there, each show is listed, and you can listen to past shows as well. Don't forget to sign up through iTunes or Zoom so that you can listen while you're cleaning stalls. Uh, and we actually had our first comment and our first uh, kudos on iTunes. You know, on each iTunes podcast, you can leave feedback. And yeah. we had our first feedback. The lady loved the show and listens to all of them. So, good. So that, oh, good. Yeah, so that was nice. She gave us five stars. <sighs> so we thank her for that. Yeah, we want more of that. Can yeah. you please give us more of that? Yeah, you can leave us feedback. Well, Helena, I think that we have to wrap it up for today, but we'll see everybody again next week with another cool episode of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. See you again next week, Helena. We'll be back here with the scoop. <laughs>